Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to Radio Free Golgotha. It's lovely to be back. Uh, it's lovely to be in your ears. Uh, hi. <laughs> it's very violating. Like, um, <laughs> uh, happy Feast of uh, Cosmos and Daimion, everyone. Uh, I hope you are enjoying your day. And, uh, or night. Or night, yeah. Or twilight. Or eve. Or Crepuscular. Yeah, or your Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Cosmos and Damian. Cosme and Damian. Who are the patrons of this podcast as well, of at least this episode. It's just not in our contract. <laughs> they, they are now. <laughs> they are now. Uh, no, a uh, plethora of feast days, 25th, 26th, 27th, November 1st, October something. Mm, there's a lot of them. Yeah, right around here. Yeah, because we had that last year where I was like, oh, are we ready for it? And you were like, it's not yet. But pre-Vatican II says it is. <laughs> but uh, Wikipedia says. Yeah. No. And this is not to not have a Cyprian episode because we've had a Cyprian episode. It's just... It's been in the chamber. It's just been in the chamber. Slowly. Uh, it, it, it might be out now. Slowly um, burkling. But... Uh, Which would be cool because it would be twinsy episodes. One of them about the some holy occasionally often referred to occasionally. as twins. And I like, this, nice I like this word, Neelish, occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> acacia. Of the, of the acacia. Uh, of the acacia. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Cosmos and Damien are the, the twin saints, the twin doctor saints, which we'll get into shortly. But um, welcome to our horribly level recorded podcast <laughs> full of charming <laughs> bullshit. Uh, we take a very, you know, woodsy DIY approach, uh, as you know, hopefully, if it's your first one. Hello. Um, thanks for thanks for coming. Uh, so if, if it is your first one, uh, we take a Sesame Street approach to things that interest us. So this week brought to you by the demon Sergothi from the Good Grimorium Verum. And this corresponding Eshu is Medium, the child Eshu. Uh, also brought to you by the plant, uh, or in this case, uh, tree, plant, plant tree. Uh, trees are plants too, Al. Hashtag yes, all trees. Yes. Oh. Um, also brought to you by the Stone Pyrite. Uh, Purite. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, and the style of magic is dice magic today. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yes, Al likes to pronounce dice or DK or DJ. I'm not sure, depending on dico, what type dico, of food dico. he's had before he I gets say, here. I say, I say, I say. Yeah. How you uh, do Roman vaudeville comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Uh, the figure, geometric figure today is Pur, mm-hmm. which is the little boy's penis. The boy, the child, the young warrior, um, the, 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 the young hero, as occasionally called as well, yeah. And we'll flash in some uh, cross-cultural uh, Ifa Odu of Irete. Um, and the magician today is Thricefold, mm-hmm. um, which was really looking at, because there's a, a theme you'll sense from today of uh, children and twins and things going through that will be evident, but uh, the three child seers. So it allows us to to talk of child Siri, um, not Apple Siri, wow, um, but child seerness, uh, mercenaric, <laughs> made up word out. Um, but uh, the three child seers who are the three children who saw the Virgin of Fatima. Uh, and so it allows the the, the lovely ignoble tradition mm-hmm. <laughs> of making children do your dirty work for you. Um, 
Yep. Yeah. Passing the blame on the little ones. Yeah. And they say the, the darndest things. They, they do. <laughs> <laughs> but I am your daughter. Uh, okay. So, uh, shall we start with Cosmo and Damien? Yeah, yeah. We, we normally start with the saints. I think that's a, that's a good way to, to lead. I've why, been, why fix a broken wheel that's still rolling? <laughs> <laughs> but is it downhill? Yeah. All the way. Uh, no one asked you for your exceptional wisdom today, Al. <laughs> This is my new favorite compliment and simultaneous <laughs> insult. Yes. Um, because I, I, I require both at the same time. Slap the baby. Coddle the baby. Slap the baby. Coddle the baby. <laughs> so uh, Cosmo and Damian are, are very popular saints, especially in Latin America and, and in the Eastern Orthodox tradition. Mm. Um, end of September, uh, feast days in Roman calendar. Uh, there are three sets of them in Orthodoxy. Uh, three sets of twins. What? Wow. Um, just to confuse us, probably from... The fact that even in pre-Golden Legend era, we just don't know anything about these two brothers yeah. uh, that are by tradition physicians, but like we know very little about them. And then the Golden Legend kind of explodes from there, as the Golden Legend often does. It gives us the golden showers of information. Right, right. Again, one of those things that combines extant lore, but that we generally tend to, uh, it, or that generally tends to be cited as uh, the popularizer and the uh, what's the word compiler of, of like this encyclopedic hagiography uh, and certainly also with um, uh, Jacob of, of Voragine um, Voragine uh, I, I don't know how that's said Voragine uh, Voragine uh, his etymology uh, we were just discussing earlier before we press record uh, is, is, is almost Kenneth Grant-esque in terms of like bouncing around different um uh, interpretations of the name, which is explicitly what he's going for. He's not trying to give the most accurate take. He's trying to give uh, the the most evocative take on what these saints' mysteries are about. So the you know the Golden Dawn does give us some it's the Golden Legend and early Yellow Journalism. Oh God, yeah, I just um, almost said the Golden Dawn there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the the gold. Yes, exactly. It, it combines uh, some some tabloidy stuff. Gives it the you know the the the, the sexy stories about you know being cast into the Great Fire or. Or thrown into the sea as well, uh, or crucified and stoned and shot with arrows and beheaded, uh, just to, you know, because 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 twins like evil never dies apparently. Uh, and Rasputin, yeah. And Rasputin, indeed. So there's this combination of, uh, again, of of of, of uh, some new glosses on extant or an old, far older material. But yeah, we know we know very little, and this notion that they are doctors or physicians healers right but but specifically not simply miraculous healers healers with great knowledge mm -hmm. um and uh you know i just learned uh, also uh, related to healing animals as well uh yes so that they are credited and there's a just as we might be familiar you and i mean i don't no idea when anyone listens to this podcast um with uh, kind of crediting grimoires to famous people who were magicians like Solomon or Cyprian or things like this that many medical cures from the Middle Ages were invented by Cosmo and Damian like oh, okay. as a way of validating the cure the um, yeah so especially early pills and um, the electuary oh yeah Honey, so honey so, dough lozenge thingy right. pasty thing right so not just medicine in terms of not that there's anything just about uh, you know, green craft of like this plant can cure this thing, but specifically the preparations of those things, yes. the, the reducing to powders, the um, the effort that goes into that, the the preparation of something that 
uh, vivifies it or, or, or specifies its use uh, for something. Which and I like the documentation too that they're often depicted like showing uh, holding alchemical equipment, but in truth, I believe they're actually looking at a urine diagnosis jar. Ah, uroscopy. Yeah, so right. like it's still whatever the current in vogue medicine of the day, they are the patrons of. Right. Um, right. And also, it's quite interesting because they are uh, believed to be uh, doing things for charity, which is one of the reasons they're a saint. They healed for uh, the glory of God and for the health of, of creation to right the wrongs of the devil and his minions, according to lore. But it is that kind of carefree attitude and charity work that, that brings them into the fore. I, th I think it's interesting when they're depicted as, so the, the, we were looking earlier at the first line of the, their entry in the Golden Legend is uh, that they were brethren germane, that is, of one father and of one mother, uh, which sounds like a very, like, <laughs> um, roundabout way of saying at the very least they were brothers, uh, if not uh, twins, if that, if that if that word wasn't being used at that time, or they just wanted a fancy way of putting it. So I like them when they're depicted differently. They look like a kind of like a like a medical buddy cop movie. That's that's kind of nice about it. Uh, but or brother cop movie. I don't know if that's happened before. Uh, it must have. Uh, but I also like when they're depicted like identical as well. Mm -hmm. uh, especially like the 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 slightly creepy, very gothy uh, eyeshadow that they have in their depiction in the statue of uh, their statues in the most precious blood church in um, Little here in uh, New York. Um, yeah, they, they, they look um, kind of creepy. <laughs> I like it. I think also it's, um, they have a history heavily of being uh, churches named after them in uh, Latin America hmm. because of tropical climate and the diseases that come oh. with tropical climate. So um, they, I don't know if they're as popular in Anglicanism. Um, mm. and, and being you the only de facto authority in Anglicanism, <laughs> it's within. Um, but uh, you know, it, this is always the thing, right? The tropical climate has different diseases, and this its relationship to plants and winter and what that is. That right. I, I always find that fascinating. That you know, with no winter means that animals, insects don't die, and therefore plants develop toxins in order to deal with the fact that they're constantly under attack, which means the tropics just become horrifically different tropical herbalism is different right. because of this but the oldest church in brazil is dedicated to cosmo and damian oh really um yeah 1530s and then the the syncretization with uh different spirits in latin america with cosmo and damian is always of interest so in to me um the statues that you see of cosmo and damian in brazil are of two identical figures oftentimes with a third a triplet in there, oh, yeah? which in in is the Abeji, um, the twin deities with Idu, the child who comes after to satiate them. So this is similar to the whole thing that two is always three, that there's mm. two are one thing, so it invokes the third, <laughs> um, but then also the child that is born after twins satiates the heat of twins, and mm. that twins themselves in um, specifically Yoruba culture, which influences so much of the Afro-Brazilian, uh, Afro-Caribbean traditions of being a cursed thing at first they were the children of the monkey the monkey cursed a farmer for destroying its nest and the, and the woman bore two children the way monkeys do and this being a sign that it's a soul too big for one body that they're like little godlings that you're just like this is terrifying they're half monkey it's bestial um, yeah yeah and the, it, the woman had to bear a litter mini litter and like this is not helpful to when the historical uh king shango uh alafina voyo had 
twins, that suddenly the reversal comes and they become a blessing. They represent multiplicity, um, uh, abundance, multiplying Prosperity. things in this way. And just which, I mean, they might as well because they're going to eat twice as much as one child. Um, <laughs> but you have twice the labor force, mm -hmm. um, which is its own thing. Um, but that this given to fire and water that happens, I do love the, you know, just working off that Ibeji lore of the twin that comes out first is actually the younger twin mm -hmm. who was kicked out of the womb by the older twin who said, go check out what's out there. <laughs> and if you don't come back, I'll follow you. So the younger twin to come out is associated with fire and that impetus and that pulling out <clears throat> and associated with, um, and under the protection of Shango, it is said, the, the, uh, the Orisha of fire, um, but is the, the younger of the twins. And the second twin is actually the older twin mm -hmm. and is associated with uh, Yamaya, the, the, the deity of um, motherhood, nurturing and, uh, in the diaspora, salt water. Um, not that all twins are automatically Shango and Yamaya, the twins still have their individual identities, but twins are a patronage under the twin deity. You'll also see um, the carvings of Ibeji, Ere Ibeji, which are if a twin dies, uh, one of the dolls must be carried either by the living twin or by the mother. Um, and if twins die in general, then the mother will carry wooden dolls for the rest of their life. And the, the dolls are dressed, they're given food, um, they are, are brought to the table like, like living people. And so the cult of Ibeji is um, in uh, Nigeria and Benin is very uh, noted. Um, and the Ibeji themselves, which means two or born two, uh, is uh, fairly common spread in, in, in Santeria and in Anomble. Um Just this idea that they are the beloved of all the Orishas because everybody's got to tolerate them. <laughs> like it's the little children running around that just cause havoc. Right. Um, but the, the lore of twins associated with Cosme Damian in both because they're actually twins, the um, Himaguas or the Himalos or whatever you want to call them, the the in Cuba are becoming Ibeji and in Brazil become Ibeji. And so the Brazilian lore, there's huge feasts in Rio de Janeiro, um, in Bahia for the Ibeji um, as Cosme and Damian and uh, feasts where children have to eat first and only after the children are done can adults eat. Yeah. Um, this type of Ibeji party is, is very common in the diaspora. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, just the, the associations with it are very interesting. Yeah. 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 All sorts of, you know, the, the chicken and rice and the idea of having to wipe your fingers, eat, having to eat it with your hands. Uh -huh. Getting, getting be, messy. Get, yeah. Getting messy. Anything that causes stains is sacred to the, that day, like the deities. <laughs> so like Cheetos and like <laughs> sticky candies and things like that. Things that make your presence known through your enjoyment. <laughs> mm. Um, which is loud and obnoxious and you know, that's its own thing. Um, but and means as they're running around that the whole palace has to raise them. Right? Yes, absolutely. And and just even the, the mythology of it being that Shango had these had these children by um, either Oshun or Oya. And people think it's Oya sometimes because she's wild and because she's an animal-like deity that she has a litter and that only she could have a litter like that. Or Oshun because she's the, the favored lover. And that the whichever whoever the mother is we, we most likely Oshun gives them up and and the stepmother or the mother of the of Shango raises them Yimaya, and so they become under her patronage and that the next child Oshun has Idu is the one she never lets leave her arms and this is the prize little spoiled child because he is water child that satiates the heat of the womb being ripped open for two twins um, but twins are are considered one soul big enough too big for one body and therefore if one twin dies that person half of them is in the other world if uh and their responsibility must be shifted there um the the other twin must be placated and satiated or it causes problems in the family mm -hmm. dead twins in the family are definitely a thing um 
And twins run in the family too, so you can see the kind of recurring patterns that happen. No, it's a very interesting set of, of, of saints and as far as multiplicity and, and multiplying things. And I do like the, the charity aspect, especially when we're dealing with any child spirits, child deities, we know that it's going to be somewhat prob- problematic, perhaps. Right. Um, that they're, that they're, there's not just the two of them, so it's double the child-likeness and double the childishness. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. You had mentioned the, we were talking about it earlier, but the trial, that trial, the, the record of Bishop Neri in Brazil in the state of Espiritu Santo, which is end of, end of the 19th century, early 20th century, uh, talking about a practice known as Kabbalah, um, where there are tables erected to St. Barbara, the Virgin Mary, and Cosme and Damien, and the one that serves at Cosme and Damien's altar is dressed all in black. Uh, from head to toe, and it seems to be an echo of uh, syncretic practices where the child spirits and the spirits of the woods are served through Cosma and Damia. And Umbanda-wise, Kondomble-wise, we, we see the, and Kimbanda-wise, we see this relationship between the twin saints, Cosma and Damia, with not only the Abeji, but the child spirits in general, the Ere and uh, the mediums and meninas of, of Kimbanda as well. Mm. which is an interesting kind of parallel or ingress egress out of one ingress into the other You're would on. that would that include the you know the kawaii versions of like gabrinha and the the way yeah, the yeah. way that a uh, uh, mavambo uh, can be can express itself as a like a child version of its older self yes although i do think you said gabrinha which is a drink as opposed <laughs> to gabrinha which is a little black cape um but yeah, no, that, uh, <laughs> oh, I could use a caperinha right now. <laughs> um, yes, that uh, you have this idea that uh, even in the Ere phase, which is a stage of possession that happens in some lines, um, it's childish, that it's that giggly phase, especially when you're coming out of possession, um, that sometimes it's the the person is mostly back, but there's just like something, the bajavento is still there, the, 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 the current, the, the wind is still there. And Ere is like a child phase of the possession. So there are uh, stories of someone mounts a very f- fierce Orisha and the Ere phase comes and now they're a little blustering child who's mm-hmm. fierce. And it speaks similar to to me or reminds me of like the origin of satire that like after a, a Greek play, a tragedy, the horrible things that are happening that, you know, a bunch of naked men run around with horse tails up their butts and reenact the whole play to kind of purge you of it. Yeah. But Ere phase is like the what, what happens when the spirit's leaving the body and we go childish. Now, there are some people that get possessed by the Ere phase and that's what they get possessed by. And mm. it's not fully um, a, a full spirit or something like that. It's, it's something different. Um, but uh, yeah, so Gimada has Mirim, which is one spirit that is legion and right. is mirroring all other eshus can can therefore walk as a medium or medium can walk as all other eshus depending which way you look at it but like the medium that is the child version of brasa is brasinha the, the medium that is the child version of caveira is caveirinha and they're like you know little little angry children versions of their larger eshu counterparts and similarly 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 mercenarily there is uh menina who is the the Pombajira version of these junior versions. And so she comes qualified in different kingdoms or different versions of other Pombajiras that are now in their kind of Ere phase. So you can you can see the, in reading through different lines of Umbanda, Kandomle, um, Batuque, this settling of what is known as Ere or Ibeji or Mirim or Menina in these different forms where it all kind of 
merges. Mm. Um, but yeah, so medium is interesting. It's the I believe medium is the Tupi word for child. Okay. Um, which is where it comes from, as opposed to menino, which right. is child, uh, boy, child, menina, which is girl, child. Asu, you know, it's a little flaming baby, Garcinia type of thing. The the strange. Right, and we can talk about how you know cute they can be when they turn up and they get served with you know Coca Cola and things like that. And, and but also there is evoked there the sense of like babies that didn't make it. Yes. And again, that like what happens to the potential for a life that didn't get to to live the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also that a child is closer to the dead uh, because they've just come out of uh, that world into this one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the relationship between uh, Abiku and Egbe and all these other concepts of the, the child that is born to die or the heavenly companions and, and what that means, there's a lot of mysteries there with, with birth phenomena. And the Abeji... Um, Although we talk about them as born too, they are the most popular example of the miraculous children. Um, the Abedi are a whole class of child spirits that have birth phenomena associated with it. Um, Aina, who is the child with the cord wrapped around the, the, the throat. Um, the the different ones, uh, Ideu, who's born after twins. And depending on where you are, different names given to whether it's everything from birth order to just uh, qualities of your birth. Where is the cord wrapped around? Do you have hair on your head, which would link you to the da? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you born butt first or foot first or things like that that are considered markers on how you're entering the world gives qualifiers on which spirits, which deities protect you um, or need to be propitiated. But the idea of Egbe, which is the heavenly companions, it's like a almost like a club. But there are agreements made before you come down into this world that might link you to other people who are here to be the, the pestery little children running through the hallways. Right. Um, and so I think there's something interesting with that. Yeah, the, the, the mm, uh, circumstances around your birth, mm-hmm. or even like, yeah, when one is born, what one is like, are markers for the potential life that they might lead or the role they might play in a community. Yeah, wrapped in the call, born dead. Feet first. Feet first, all those different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the grand syncretization of Grimorium Verum, uh, Midim is related to surrogacy, mm-hmm. and I will happily ask you, Al, who is surrogacy? Surrogacy? That's an excellent question, Jesse. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> is also, what was the other name that you were, that you said was linked to him? Oh, through the German Honorian text uh, manuscripts uh, linked to... Was that, a, uh, was that an after plural? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, was okay. I was pronouncing the little, uh, uh, the little slash yeah. at the end. Uh, it's also linked to Citri, uh, who's also called uh, Bitru, uh, or, or even Bitter, or Biter, however that is said. Uh, Bitru as well. Uh, so Sergothi is one of four spirits under Satanakia, not Satanakia's first set of spirits, um, but rather their, what I've been terming their second line. Um, in terms of guilds uh, and the, the, the way I think about them, they're very much the professor's guild. Uh, they're very much all teachers of magic. We have uh, Heramail, who teaches um, plant stuff. Trimasail, who does um, alchemy and the powders of projection, it is said. Um, we have uh, Sustubriel, who grants familiars, which is sometimes, um, in some texts, that's grants mandrakes, 
specifically. <laughs> um, but then we come to surgothy. All of those others, you know, you give familiars, uh, you know how to use plants, and you know how to make powders and do alchemy. They're all, they're all very explicitly teachers of magic. Surgothy's kind of an odd one out in these circumstances because they are said to have power over maidens and wives. So they're, they're another um, uh, amorous uh, uh, spirit, we could say. Uh, there's uh, definitely, you know, um, love magic and aphrodisiac stuff there. Power over them also seems to me to be about fertility, which we get in a lot of the uh, goetic spirits that are to do with um, causing someone to fall in love and can also cause barrenness mm -hmm. and, and cause and lift barrenness, mm -hmm. uh, even in some texts. I wonder if um, there's a certain amount of like the capriciousness of certain spirits that are, that is a quote unquote non-male trait in, in popular mindset and certainly in the male magicians that are reading the books mm. as being the literate class of, of who they are. Um, but uh, there seems to be a, a common thread of uh, women and children always being linked. And not that surrogacy is, is child, and I'm just, the association with many makes my head go there. No, no, absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, it's maidens and wives, which I think is also worth pondering on as distinct from just saying women. Um, so it's clearly that we're, you know, I th the, the most obvious one I think is that we're talking about, you know, um, your, your yeah. mistress as well as um, your, your spouse. If the connection to Citri is um, accurate and, and just because, you know, one, or a couple of German texts say they're the same spirit, don't make it so. But if they are, then that's worth looking at as well. Um, and Citri specifically is said to inflameth a man with a woman's love and also stir up women to love men. Uh, being commanded, he willingly detaineth secrets of women, laughing at them and mocking them to make them luxurious light, uh, luxuriously naked and there obey him. What is luxurious nudity? Oh, uh, well, well, luxury is sin. Uh, okay. the, 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 the root is... So it's not an innocent sin, nudity? No. Okay. No, no, no. So it's, like, are we talking filters or... <laughs> right? Um, no, no, no. This is a... Yeah, this is a, a, a difficulty in uh, things that um, uh, Peter and Kika of, the, of, of Scarlet Imprint have, have, have talked about a lot, that we uh, mistake the idea of the, the, the luxury as sin for luxury as uh, opposing... You know, as as advocating an asceticism of some kind, uh, which uh -huh. is not necessarily, which is read onto the texts. Yes, you know, a variety of of Christian texts. Well, there's the idea that gluttony is not just a food. Right. That anytime you take more than you need, that it is gluttonous, um, and therefore luxury. In that sense, I can see that natural pairing extension. Yeah. Um, Citri's also the one one of the ones that uh, is said to have the wings of a griffin, which always confuses me, in terms of like uh, like you said, are we, are we talking about eagle wings then, or like is there something about griffin's wings that's different in you know medieval heraldry uh and it, it, it might be a, a a positioning thing in which case are we doing is there is the potential to talk about like the elephant with its tail up versus down does the to the, to, to the, to the because certainly heraldically speaking like how the animal is standing like definitely informs something about what it's doing Right, so is it so? Uh, this, this is my, my latest uh, notion that I'm trying to explore is like, is this getting at the wings are held in a particular way that indicates something about hmm. its wingedness? Uh, is it that it moves quickly or has casts a, a wider span over something? I don't know. One of the things to, to, to ponder. I was like the, as an aside, the griffin gold connection that their eggs 
make gold. That, like where they lay their eggs, there's gold. And then the that lovely material justification that happens of uh, the gold deposits where griffins are said to have been in history are uh, places where there's big dinosaur fossils. Huh. And it, this is explained this way, and then other people are like, that's not true of everything. Like, right. if you look at as far as Eastern Mediterranean art, griffins are a, a very common uh, cryptid. Mm. And this, this uh, is zoomorph the other term? Yeah, a theriomorph, yeah. zoomorph. And then th those might have technical distinctions. Uh, um, I don't I don't know them if they do have Cryptid them. is like when you're hunting them with night vision cams on TV, I think. <laughs> um, but they, they, they often didn't have wings in some of the depictions, especially uh, Mycenaean art. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Cretan art that they don't... Cretan? Cretan? Um, art do not necessarily have wings, but they, they can. Uh, but the head alone was enough to see it, that it was an eagle, but it wasn't an eagle. It was an eagle with, like, those weird ears. Some tufted eagles have those weird ears, so I don't know... You know, whatever weird giant bird was floating around the eastern Mediterranean. Uh, the other th feature of Sogothi, uh, to complete a very short entry in Verum, is that it's said that they uh, can influence or have power over uh, wives and maidens, or maidens and wives, uh, when things are favorable. So there's this, um, which is sometimes, I think, I'm, 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 I'm spacing on the direct one, but that's sometimes uh, teaching you when they're favorable. So there's an element of timing going on here. Your wife's in a good mood. Go talk to her. Right. Like, is that what we're... I, potentially, yeah. Yeah. Knowing when things are right. I think it might... I know. I, I think a lot of the time those lusty um, spells or, 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 or workings with uh, unclean spirits, as I said, also include this notion of like, when is the right time of the month to not conceive? Uh-huh. Uh, as well as when is right to conceive. So that's, you know... Uh, so there's, there's fertility and there's also... Uh, the fertility of, of uh, various forms of, of natural contraception, I think, is, is, is something going on there. So when things are favorable, um, depending on what it is you're trying to do or not do. Definitely, because the medium codification stuff is, I believe, 60s, but like that he comes in 49 flavors mm. for the main 49 issues. Mm -hmm. And now there are, no one limits issue to 49 anymore. It's This is a very um, in-print uh, approximation of what was going on. And this is also around the time period you see the the lines come into manifestation of King yeah. Manda mm -hmm. um, as mirroring this kind of dark Umbanda. Um, and the, the division is far less interesting in in practice and also in history that, you know, the, the practices are one that, um, as we've discussed many times, that King Manda is, is the word for the per practitioner originally and that as something became more African or worked low quote-unquote magic there's the same divide that happens in every public magical thing and i still maybe i won't say my my possible thesis there um but the the, the high magic of spiritism high table spiritism of advancement and helping spirits find their place towards mother father god in heaven mm -hmm. um is termed umbanda and anything low magic is termed kimbanda because the practitioner is who you go to see the kimbandero um, was originally just called Kimbanda, and this is uh, appears to be not so casual racism. Yeah. Um, just play at play, and so now the division between what is Umbanda and Kimbanda is very. People have a lot of opinions, but I mean historically, that that uh, you know Jesus didn't follow himself. There's there's <laughs> right. there's the divisions and the names are, are given later to classify different styles of practice and everything this, into sevens. Yeah, that that everything must follow this grand law of Umbanda as put forth by the Umbandistas post Celio Marais, um, as opposed to the Umbanda that was already being written about and developed in the 1860s and later, um, right. as spiritism starts to influence Brazil. Um, it, it gets very 
very tricky. I mean, and going back to the kind of like uh, Kabbalah practice of the tables being set up and people invoking and, and calling upon what in, in that time period would have been called Kalunga um, with an R instead of Kalunga. Mm. But the the pulling the spirits through this and working with like um, uh, different spirits that would come known as Tathas or Yayas and, and uh, to be uh, names like Seven Waterfalls or Bridge Breaker or, or Forest Stormer. Mm. Um, these kind of uh, folkloric names that we see most heavily in Eshus and Gobokos mm. um, in practice eventually. So the roots of something are all there. And then books actually give evidence to as well as codify and then things start to look like, well, you must have these 49 flavors of Medim or it's not a Medim. Right. Which one is he? And like, you know. Is there a sense that seven times seven is a bit like that, like 10,000 things? That it's a, it's it's probably a term for this, a number that actually just connotes a multitude rather than a specific, its specific number. Well, yeah, I, I mean, there's also the biblical reference to a, I mean, a 77 times seven type of playing on the sevens there is always going to be this thing. And, and in, in a crossroads cult, um, with seven being a crossroads number of, of northeast, southwest, up, down, and, and always returning to center, that mm. seven denotes mastery, seven denotes totality, um, which it has up in the west of being seven planets and a, and a complete right. cycle, mm-hmm. which... Umana notices and, and merges all those things together and, and validates itself through its own evidence. Right. Um, <laughs> which, you know, if you read Kardec, um, he's very good at validating his own self through his through his evidence that he finds that validates himself. Yeah. Um, you know, spiritism is very good at that. It's not to, to bash spiritism, but it is set up on a model that proves its existence by proving its existence. Yeah. Um, uh, the confirmation bias is very large. Mm. Um, and weaponizing that. <laughs> so surgathy has none of the child associations necessarily not explicitly no no um i don't think so no even the even the the naked of a related spirit that might well be the same spirit mm-hmm. uh citri is is explicitly said to be not like an innocent like childlike nudity but explicitly a a, a, a sexualized or at least luxurious mm-hmm. but yeah so medium cosmo damian mm-hmm. surgathy trinity there um, formed out of the feast. Hmm. I think uh, it's easy enough to, because with, with Griffins being mentioned, but also the idea of potential in children, but it is not like I, I like a veggie statue is what's interesting. We're talking about the the life, allowing the life that could have been mm-hmm. to be acknowledged. That a veggie statues, since the veggie are multiplicity and fertility, traditionally, veggie statues are depicted with extremely developed genitalia. Mm. So a child now has adult penis and adult breasts. Mm. And why is that? Because they're included in the life, in the cycle that continues, and right. this type of thing. So it's a you know that very non-representational art that m- messes with I think, I think the Western mind looking at African art, but um, and rightly so. Um, but that the idea of it being that they are therefore an image in the perpetual image, allowed to participate in society right. as mature individuals, yeah, um, and therefore allowed to produce and in- and produce increase for us, yeah. Um, but uh, also. Similarly, I think uh, pyrite as a stone uh, is very resonant with this concept of, 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 we call it fool's gold, which totally knocks pyrite as to what it is. It's still an extremely beautiful stone. Right, right. And has a history of being used in in jewelry as mirrors. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I find the, I think we talked about this on the last episode, but like where a stone is historically found and the lore from those areas. Yeah. So ink and mirrors that used pyrite because it's heavily found in Peru. It's also heavily found in Spain and Italy. And um, because of its color, because of the way it looks, it is so um, 
considered solar. Um, it is a stone that is, uh, I believe, associated with the third chakra, and um, you know, in the ancient documents mm -hmm. of, of of my of my library. Um, <laughs> but uh, that pyrite itself has a an interesting lore around it. That it, it almost seems like we're saying it's of less value because it's not gold. Yeah, and it here's this gorgeous stone yeah. that has a complex lore. Yeah, and you know the the the, the yeah, it's, it, I think it's well worth distinguishing it from what we think of as fool's gold, especially around like fairy gold, right? That which is only here briefly to, to fool. So it's not just you bought this expensive thing, uh, but it's actually but it's actually not as expensive as you thought it was. It's it's the notion that you bought this thing that will literally disappear in the morning. Uh, that that's kind of conjured by calling it that, which seems um, yeah, as you say, seems seems at odds. Uh, certainly, Lakuto's lapidary, lapidary. Um, uh, Water Malone uh, gives a, a ton of different um, things that are that are called pyrite, or that we would call pyrite. Um, a ton of them. Once you get into like uh, um, virites or, or virites, uh, a stone said to be identical to pyrite, uh, but it, it's 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 its brilliance is emphasized in terms of how shiny it is, um, and, and even it's it's said that it will burn uh, the hand of people that hold it for too long. <laughs> uh, as well, so even this quality of like, no, it, it it isn't a solar stone because it's like gold. It's a solar stone because it expresses solar virtues, mm -hmm. right? Um, similarly to the sun, but not uh, in mimicry. Yeah, there's quite a few connections to things that Lakuto identifies as pyrite that aren't called so, with its uh, fiery connections, um, that it's uh, fractious, or that it, um, uh, also that uh, that there's a male stone. Mm -hmm. And a female stone, and when they when they're brought together, they catch fire. So rather than like, you know, the the gendering of lodestones that come together to produce prosperity, um, again, uh, you know, get, getting the gold to or getting the <clears throat> money magnet to birth more money, uh, that they that they catch fire. That there's this sense of like the uh, inflammability, flammability. <laughs> Why the country uh, of the of the stone itself? <laughs> I find its use as a mirror in Peru fascinating. Just mm. the the idea of uh, which leads to the question of scrying and things right. like what that is. But the the image of a mirror, so that any shiny surface. So you have obsidian mirrors in Central America and pyrite mirrors in South America as part of the Incan trade, um, and just the quality of that. The difference of a dark mirror versus a like, I find that pairing of solar mirror mm -hmm. according to our classification and a lunar or dark mirror. So they would polish it. Yes. Oh. Well, I mean, because it has its own luster, luster as it is. Sure, sure. Is, is, that, is that the word for reflectivity no, in the smart not person at all. world? No, not at all. No. Okay. Luster is um, like the, the fire. It just has, it has a reflexivity. But I think I think a lot more about pyrite in terms of like looking like lots of glitter stuck together uh -huh. of, of like uh, in its crystalline form. Yeah, exactly. Rather yeah. than it's like a, a flat surface that that shines. And old mirrors aren't as reflective as new mirrors. <laughs> so that, 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 no, I think that's that's a big deal, right? That you that you're not seeing like an exact duplicate of your own face or of whatever you have next to the mirror. That it that it, it it's it's blurred somewhat, or it's like affected by the natural imperfections of the surface, and so it's already slightly different from from what you're seeing. And this notion of mirror 
and a scrying mirror not just being an exact copy of something. We, we, we deliberately, you know, all these different techniques of scrying are all about like, do it with this bad lighting, yeah. bad uh, in inverted commas there, like, so it doesn't look exactly like just looking in a mirror. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're te- you know, uh, doing it in darkness, uh, doing it, uh, someone else doing it and you, 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 you only looking at what, you're only hearing what they say they're seeing. Uh-huh. You know those kinds of things. The the, the advantages of a, of attempting to produce or incubate a visual distortion in various ways. I think about that in terms of doing it in tiny surfaces as well, mm. like with a nickiomancy, like the, um, the the anointing of your uh, thumbnail or eh, a child's thumbnail, mm-hmm. and then asking them to look at that that shiny surface. Like it's small. It's going to mean that you can't see everything at once uh, I guess is, is one thing but also that like this is another way of producing uh, and again this already sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm coming from some kind of materialist lens but like it's it's distorting what you're seeing to produce something else now is that a distortion uh, 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 an imperfection or a, or a corruption of the thing uh, or is it just simply that you're you're realigning to get access to that thing that's more true mm-hmm. or, or real in a different way or a different place I think the notion of, of refinement as it goes, it's, it's across the board, you know, um, ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny type of argument. Mm. You know, the further go back, the things are going to be less clear, less articulated and, and more alike. Mm. Um, I mean, certainly from a biological model, that's its own thing, but that mirror technology is fairly recent. And, and you know, now that we use foil back glass and it's not necessarily mercury glass anymore and, and that a stone, anything that reflects light and increases the light in the room is quite interesting. The, the whole tradition of melong and shamanic mirrors that a coin that is polished on one side is a mirror and that wearing a coin has a lot of the lore of it because it also has a face on it, which is etched. But like if it can reflect light in any way, which a newer coin can, mm-hmm. then it automatically has this thing of stealing the image or containing an image. So like capturing spirits into crystals, is it, you know, into coins, into mirrors, right. all those things are reflected. And, and pyrite, emanates fire but its use as a mirror is interesting because now it is a a, a a different thing it is not just emanating light but it is containing that's your a, own yeah that's a really good point it isn't the it doesn't appear to be a material substance that governs something you can scry with it's the fact that it can glint and glimmer mm-hmm. and and shine right you get it with the, the the polished swords so we know we can do it with metal uh, you get it with like water so we know it's not like even a solid uh, as well as you know things that can, uh, as well as holding the you know the 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 evidence that we have from say Lily's William Lily's autobiography of the, so a bunch of different scribes that he knew, including one who took his you know crystal with the, of the bigness of a of a, of a goodly orange mm-hmm. uh, and and holds it up to the light, goes outside. He's doing it literally in the field, and it's brought up to the sun. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that you you should do it in daylight hours because of abstract timing. It's that you're literally like making the sun shine through this thing and kind of giving yourself a little what do they call the 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 um the kind of uh not not like tracers in terms of psychedelics but like uh leaving an imprint on the eye um that you can still see when you when you shut your eye like the, mm. the brightness. Oh, the after burn after image. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems you're like deliberately doing that. If not seeing just watching the the play of the light through the the crystals i don't even want to call them imperfections just well even like the dream machine technology right of like right simulating the light flickering through tree leaves that it's that yeah yeah. or ceiling fan type of flicker or Mm -hmm. uh whatever it is but the the early mirror technology with a flickering candlelight behind you is going to signify this very right lead you to a similar experience Mm -hmm. signifying Mm -hmm.
Um, <laughs> I think um, signify is okay. I know symbol is. Uh, I, 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 I'm I totally on board with with symbol being a, a not useful term. Um, but yeah. I just think it's problematic that you have to predicate it a lot based on time period, cultural contextualization, and smart. <laughs> For sure. For um, sure. Fair. But the two angels have free will, Al. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, we still have to do reviews uh, of the conferences from this year, but postmortem power, free will of angels, mm. and um, uh, Spain is still part of Europe, mm. and uh, other such gems are, are coming your way at some point if our memories serve us, which they don't. Um, but uh, no, but hopefully they, they, you know, things ferment in there. And, 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 and he's massaging invisible testicles when he says that. Um, <laughs> but I spoke for four hours the other day. And boy, were my arms tired. <laughs> yeah. um, I speak for four hours regularly in, 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 in specific <laughs> teaching context. Um, it's not really that long. You, know. you did fall asleep on the toilet last night. Only very brief. It was a little micro nap. Little, little, little window. It was thing. lovely. <laughs> it, was, it was a sweet moment of relief and bliss. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'd been up pretty much continuously for a couple of days on some, uh, you know, uh, you know, working some some ritual biz. The three child seers make me think of the three good angels that also appear in crystals, just because there's three of them. Uh, except that there aren't always three of them. Um, but I just wanted to, to lead with that. <laughs> Jump to the end of our list, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, if we're talking about the mirror of pyrite and going on through three, three child seers and appearing in crystals. So, so they're seers because they see Fatima. Yes. Right, they have a vision. Yes. Okay. So we we think of not yeah. because they were hired by someone to see her. Right. 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 They're not staring into a a, a crystal or yeah. a, or a mirror. Lucia and uh, Lucia and her cousins. Jacinta and Cisco, Francisco. So they're, they're witnesses. They to, are. Uh, to a, and, and, which is interesting, right? The miracle is the apparition then, right? Yes, the miracle is the apparition. And then there's the, if I remember correctly, like the, you know, the, the, they were receiving communion from her and like onlookers that would cloud to follow them saw the, the wafer appear on their tongue. Mm. Like she was giving them prophecy. Um, and there are the, the predictions of Fatima too. Like the different visitations have prophecy associated with them. But this is, I mean, Fatima is... It is one of the most famous visions. It is the early 20th century. It's World War One, And then it took 20 years for the 15 years for them to be validated in the eyes of the church officially, which is actually pretty quick, um, even given the state of how things move. Um, and were they said to have done anything post the visions other than like being very pious? Hmm. I know that they were interviewed and, and continued from, from, I mean, there's this, the secrets, right? So there's the first secret, which is the vision of hell. Hmm. Um, the second secret is a, uh, a devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary um, as a way to bring peace in the world and pray for the holy souls in, in purgatory. Um, and uh, there was the weird prediction of the consecration of Russia, from, like like that Russia was going to come. What? Yeah, and, and be okay and bring peace. I don't... Consecrate the whole of Russia? Yeah, okay. I don't, I mean, I don't I mean that, that... that makes sense in terms of, like, you know, trying to affect global politics towards a, a good and happy end uh -huh. you know it's it's that's that's at least a bit more practical than just thoughts hashtag thoughts and prayers right mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> just not the idea of it being a consecration of the whole space well then it would bring world peace through it like yeah. through the consecration of russia and, totally um the third secret is the death of the pope and other religious figures Ooh, and like someone flaming sword and all those types of things and uh Child, like they have control over when the secrets are released. 
Mm-hmm. Like I think Lucia said that um, it was like after 1960, the third sequel could be released. And uh, it will be clearly more clearly understood because the Virgin Mary wishes it so okay. type of, of reality. That, that So they were slow releasing their visions. Yes, absolutely. Um, that there were things told to them. Um, and of course, it, you know, that thing of like, is it the, the endless, what do you call it? It's not a... It's, when the con keeps going on, not to say it's a con, but like when you keep on somebody's attention, be like, and then there was another message, but I can't tell you that yet because it's, you know, right, right. are we doing a Kelly and D thing here? Mm-hmm. Um, we stringing them along. Yeah, stringing, stringing along. That is totally what it is. Um, you know, to the point where the prayers of Fatima that come in uh, are added to every popular rosary. Like this is right. this is huge. This this white clad Mary and the, the angel of peace, the angel of Portugal. That also seems kind of common in, 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 in rosary prayer, right? That, that they are added to by people having visions. The, um, the popular Michael rosary mm-hmm. comes from a, a vision, right? The chaplet, yes. Yeah, the chaplet. That's technically a chaplet. But that adding to the actual Marian rosary that is standard, of which there is correct, technically no correct way to play because pray because it is a folk devotion. But there is a standard way that we understand there's Hail Marys, there's Our Fathers, there's Apostles' Creed, there's Glory Bees, and that there's set versions of it now, especially post-textualization of these things. Um, but that adding the the prayer of Fatima on there and that praying it for the Holy Schools and Purgatory is its own thing. But yeah, I think uh, acts of reparation, trying to make up for things and, and, and praying for the, the end of the world to, 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 to be relieved of the pressures of what's going to happen. Right. Um, that Mary is already weeping for us what happens at Armageddon mm-hmm. um, is its own... <laughs> Um, kind of like a Siwakwak white woman Yorona thing that comes in of like, oh, my children, I can't stop what's coming. What are we going to do type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, I love you. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's recordings of her singing that prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so directly receiving things from the Virgin Mary, um, which always felt a little creepy watching the kids like run through the fields. And like, there's, I remember you see the documentary or a video of it, like watching them run and like kneeling for communion. And it just... I always felt a little alien, like the apparition of the Virgin Mary. There's a spot up here in the Bronx at the end of the four train mm-hmm. where there was like Our Lady Queen of the Universe appeared to a guy in his garden. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the like, not recognized by the church, but it is a local place of like Marian apparition specialness. The vision of hell was so that they could, wasn't there some line about, I wish I could show that to the sinners of the world that they would know. Oh, that they would they would convert and know, yeah, yeah. know no peace and no joy. The other side of the third secret is that it wasn't released. That's what it was. Right. So, like, I think even by 2000, it was, is it actually fully released yet? And there's just, it's one of those, like, conspiracies in the thing. And, and like, Fatima becomes a a prayer, a symbol of the West's victory over communism, mm-hmm. which is godless and irreligious. So, like, it's like you know, the, the conversion of Russia in that way mm-hmm. and choosing, you know, that if, if we all pray the rosary a certain way, that all those who have died in the Great War and all those who are still falling victim to it, that we will, we will triumph over. Um, the horrors of, of the world war and then eventually communism huh. um, because uh, Pope Palpatine uh, <laughs> like swore that it had been released along with like there was another prophecy there's something that was released and so you you know it also fuels the, the new age book industry of like you know what are the things and Black Broom um, awesome sculptors in, in Los Angeles have a, a statue of the version of Fatima clad in blue where she's half skull face and they call it the fourth secret of Fatima. Ah. Um, which, you know, of course I have because they're awesome and plus half skull faced women are going to be oh, yeah. um, always there. But, you know, the, using it, everything as a, a Vanitas reminder. Um, sure, yeah. And the notion of there being 
you know the final one that we don't say gives license is you know is a, is a, is a you know somewhat of a long-running grimoire tradition as well right that the, the extra books of Moses the the notion of like there is another there is another Skywalker you know there's, <laughs> there's another one somewhere we're not going to say what it is or where it is but mm-hmm. like you might come across it if you pay close attention yeah and even I think um Fia does the like it's in revelations in the Gospels the fourth the third secret which you know it's the world's gonna suck uh, for a bit and I think specifically uh there's uh she specifies like chapters it's like seven or eight through 13 of revelation is like containing key messages from uh, rela- okay. relevant to fatima and so it encourages people to go and come at tries and yeah do exactly that and that the uh john paul el segundo um the john paul ii uh used like revelation 12 4 or 12 5 during his homily there in mm-hmm. fatima so there's like all this it's being contextualized as a great conspiracy thing within the church, but it's also the innocence of children there, mm-hmm. prepubescent children or women that preserve their chastity through joining the nunnery early on. Mm-hmm. There is this quality of vision that is granted to them that is considered pure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about that in, in an Marian kind of context, that it does play on the immaculate conception that Mary is born without the stain of original sin, although humans are, but that is the sexual act and the breaking of the hymen that really violates female sanctity mm-hmm. um, that makes them the banished daughter of Eve, that the, 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 the wall of, of paradise has been rent asunder and now you're cast out. You can never go back in. Mm-hmm. And and there's this something with Fatima being the white-clad virgin and, and Thea being this prophetess at a young age. And she's a shepherdess. Uh, there's shepherd children at, huh. at that. So there's like an interesting thing there. And, and then you think about like the you know, getting the child to call your demons and to call the, you know, you call the demons with a crystal and... Yeah, yeah, they're pure. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're pure so they... And not just they're pure so they can't lie, but purity isn't just... I mean, it's easy to think about, well, you want to make sure that who you're talking to is actually who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So you do a bunch of prayers to make sure of that. But literally the <clears throat> the prayers and the purification of yourself is also that, you know, pure things are drawn to pure things. Uh-huh. So it isn't just about refining the signal out of the, the virgin points. and the unicorn. Right. It's mm. it's also about you know um, that that kids uh, have an innocence to them and and and, and haven't been told. Have you met children? <laughs> I was a teacher. Innocence. No, no, no. Of course. You're also saying that it was. I think it was you, just the other night, or mentioning how it's like a pass the blame. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you can you can literally. It's a, it, when when the law forbids the seeing of, uh, the, you know, the, the telling of fortunes in various ways, or the uh, having visions of things, or of accusing, especially accusing other people of stealing things. Uh, it's it, it you know showing the client the scrying uh, medium or surface or uh, you know oiled thumbnail and seeing what do you see in it, right? I don't need to describe the thief if you already see them mm-hmm. uh, so it's uh, it, and also yes if you are accused of uh, uh, some unacceptable form of, of, of magical practice then you can say well I just I just showed them a mirror they're, they're the ones that saw the thing um, which again given that most of the time when the law did get involved it was because a client was dissatisfied mm-hmm. it's a really useful trick to be able to pin it back on the on the client themselves but I, I, I think what's interesting, besides my chair creaking, um, is the the notion of like conspiracy and, and cloak and dagger and, and end times prophecies coming out of this very simple 
apparition during not simple when I mean, it's the and it's world sure. war one right and it's like pray to for the holy souls and like we'll get out of this mess alive and then yeah. there's other prophecies that are coming and like when will it be released mm-hmm. and like do we have the full thing and her saying like no i wrote it to the bishop in this time and like you'll get it later and the memoirs and the kind of just whole side of it means that fatima becomes a rallying point especially in, in the iberian peninsula for anti-communism for uh, upholding the Catholic traditional values, mm. um, which plays into the nationalism of Spain during World War II. Right. And it's just, it becomes a very interesting thing of like, it's the Mary of traditional values. <laughs> um, and, and that's its own interesting thing with the children seers seeing it. And I love that the, the, we can talk, as we have, about the, the traditional, or the traditions of child seers, of, of putting a child into a room and letting them see what they see, um, which is, you know, corruption of a minor in a modern time period oh but, sure especially you can think about like the the charms that don't just say like oh get a child of a certain age and you know purify them and then they'll see stuff but literally like wisp like charms where you whisper something into their ear and then they see something <laughs> like it starts to feel yeah like like a lot like corrupting a minor yeah it's uh there are a few movies that have that kind of element of just like it just becomes like this is slightly terrifying yeah and there is a you know um there's something around the purity of the quote unquote purity or the, or the virtue of children to be able to see spirits because uh, especially like prepubescent mm-hmm. that like there's something again the idea like like this old Western European idea that there's something uh, fundamentally unclean about uh, sex itself and that if you haven't squandered your virtue yet that you have more to spare to see spirits. Mm-hmm. Also, if we take the like the garden, the wall, or the flaming sword of Michael mm-hmm. metaphor, that like if your innocence and your purity and your chastity is is intact, then you're still on the other side of the veil. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not cast out into the world cursed as Adam and Eve yet, even though we might share in the inheritance of that curse. That uh, the preservation of your chastity, your earthly chastity, is its own thing. Which I, I also to compare it with church definitions of chastity, that chastity is not the same as abstinence, um, abstinence that chastity is correct sex, um, mm-hmm. using sex appropriately. So if you were a child bride and married at age eight, then you could still be chaste because you were only having sex in the confines of marriage, um, which is its own interesting side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, justifications within justifications. Just um, as assault could be, just as, as rape was sometimes merely sex without the permission of your family. Yes. Well, I mean, we can summarize this whole, like, childlikeness, childishness, uh, sex, uh, uncleanliness, um, war, uh, fire of pyrite. Uh, these do all kind of come together in Pua. It's the figure of Mars that's considered less uh, inherently poisonous than uh, Rubius. Uh, it's a, a figure of, gosh, of... <sighs> Yes, of, of, of enthusiasm, of, I, you know, I've talked about it before as, a, as, as it's not a, a common uh, British idiom, but the idea of being stoked about something. It's a figure of great beginnings of having enthusiasm associated with Aries and this, you know, and thus all of that start of the year, good stuff. Um, it's, a, it's a warrior. It, it, it craves conflict and competition and combat. Uh, it's uh, it's also you know an infamously ill-prepared figure. It's not a good figure for finishing a thing. Uh, it, it, it really struggles to stick the lining. And I think, um, and it's also explicitly tied to um, the things young men are feared to do: uh, robbery, um, 
sexual indiscretion, um, sexual violence uh, to a certain extent, uh, callous senses of humor, um, uh, you know, all the things that get excused as boys will be boys uh, is definitely present in Pua. But I think that boyishness uh, has a lot to offer in terms of looking at constructions of masculinity across European history and also what it means to us as well. You know, for, for me, I, I'm more than happy to include, you know, spaceships, lasers, dinosaurs, dinosaur shaped, um, you know, chicken nuggets and things as like being off poor, being, being both. It sort of straddles this line of being both childlike and childish and also like kind of macho, but not actually macho, but macho aspiring. Aries, of, of, yeah, of, of of wanting to dress up as a. As a I'm soldier. an Aries. Let me just put that out there so that I don't get hate mail. <laughs> it's a self. I mean, I'll get hate mail anyway. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that, that. Well, I mean, that it's the remind the the discussion of why Aries is the way it is. But the stellar fire that must launch the Earth out of winter needs to be juvenile and full of rage and hormones mm-hmm. and argument to butt heads with nature herself and get the Earth spinning into. Tropical spring. Yeah, poor um, is the poor is the the song of propaganda that tells young boys that it'll all be over by Christmas and they'll come back to glorious honors. And Rubius is the battlefield at the end of uh, the song. You're really not improving my mood with your metaphors today. <laughs> um, well, you, we also were thinking about using this figure on a previous episode uh, for Saint Peter and sword magic and mm. things like that because it, it is the phallus it is the sword in graphically yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One, and one two one yeah the, it's, it's it, a sword. it looks like um you know the balls are towards the bottom as opposed to puella the girl which not sure how it looks like a vagina at all other than that you know there's no uh, i mean some people say that as one two one one the second line with two the second line is sometimes said to be the chest of the figure ah, and so the nice. boobies I prefer the idea that it's <laughs> like the tonality that you say when you say boobies is totally <laughs> like oh okay um, go on I prefer to it, it looks to think about it more looking like a distaff mm-hmm. uh, with the you know for, for, for spinning no that makes sense I mean it totally makes sense when you say boobies like that um, not the way that you said it but boobies in that context <laughs> boobies um <laughs> <laughs> and that, therefore, if the ne- next one is the the hips or the knees of the figure, depending on who's, you know, that the balls are down to the knees there, yeah. like, it, it starts to speak of that. I see that easily. Um, I don't know why. Again, it brings up the whole veggie thing of, like, why are girl and boys suddenly, like, large stick figures with giant boobs and giant testicles? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing when in, in, in forms where it's not just the two gendered figures, in forms where... Pua is more translated as child. Mm-hmm. Uh, very often, Puella is translated more as lady. So the the idea that they're young is is more a Pua thing mm. in general. But yes, sometimes it's boy and girl. Puella can also be wench, can also be girl, can also be lady. Uh, I like hostess uh, as well, or even host. Uh, if we're, we're moving from beyond, they're strictly being having to be essentially uh, gendered. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that Pua, the, the sigils of it also often look like uh, spearheads, which is mm-hmm. obviously the other side of the, you know, the, the spear side and the distaff side. Mm-hmm. A nice take on the lines of one's family and by extension one's dead. Uh, what does it speak of to you as far as uh, coming up prominently in a reading? Yeah, so it, it, as I say, at the beginning of things often connotes that there's an enthusiasm and excitement, uh, which, which can genuinely get you through not having prepared as, as best you could have. Um, but that ill preparedness towards the end of a reading, towards the, um, you know, if it's second witness, that usually suggests that you've like, there's a risk of 
uh, tempers flaring or of um, seeking conflict where you don't need to or of um, you know growing growing frustrated with with a thing whereas mm -hmm. the all of those frustrations you know you want to there's a whole thing about wanting to fail early you know even quote-unquote bad figures for the particular endeavor mm -hmm. are better to get like in the first witness so you can see where they're going right uh, and, and and you can deal with that in order you can you can take that second witness which might be something soothing or calming in order to remedy the the initial you know rage and and, and whatever of of poor it's you know the, the common refrain throughout the uh, the house placements is good for love and war. Uh, it is a romantic of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, enjoying throwing Molotovs off the off the, the barricades of a, a burning building. Kind the of. fighter fuck of Aries is very much there then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you're finding it a, a, a place to fight is good. There's also a strong component of like gangs to it as well. That again, uh, it's it's soldieriness. Uh, that that despite being figure that can mean risk of robbery or risk of, of violent crime uh, that if you're or, or risk of uh, or, or butting heads with authority mm -hmm. specifically that it can also connote that if you find the right gang or the right group or the right shared identity that that stuff becomes protective and that this irreverent figure becomes one that is good at following orders um, so the idea of the the, the young men that need a bit of discipline in their lives kind of thing mm -hmm. in this present. So uh, certainly when it comes up in a mm -hmm. reading and I'm you know looking to remediate for it, finding something for it to do, um, you know, encouraging people to uh, pursue martial arts or physical exercise uh, are, are big strong ones. Um, uh, either avoiding uh, swords and, and iron and, and metal and things or um, taking more of a careful interest around them. The need for discipline is interesting because it, it kind of brings in the Odufa correspondence of Irete of there's a lot of butting heads and problems with authority that comes up in Irete. It's a political figure, um, mm. the kind of arguments that fall and make empires collapse, mm. um, as well as the need when it falls to try and really help the person understand the, the niceties of everyday interaction need to be developed that politeness sweetness chivalry gentlemanliness um how to sugarcoat your words not for the sake of, of lying but for the sake of understanding that it is a harsh energy that comes with you and you must sweeten um that the politeness and the rules and regulations of modern society are hiding that war machine that mm. rages underneath and can actually satiate it enough that it, it, it doesn't manifest in a fully negative way but there are you know, the forces that become cultivated there eventually limit us. We, we think we're being free in our expression, but really what it is is we're creating things that confine us to being more aggressive. They confine us to mm. conspiracy. They confine us to um, a sense of worry that becomes its own energetic life. And, um, you know, a few people have uh, discussed the the pattern from Anakin to Darth Vader is a very Irete story oh. of like that youthful rage of like, I am better than this and you are holding me back. But really you end up holding yourself back. Like you limit yourself so much that you became slave to your passions, to your desires. Mm. And that you end up limiting yourself based on a, a domino effect of things that you can't control. So that brashness, brashness, rashness, mm -hmm. if, if everything was still, you know, the thing of like, 
wait 20 seconds then say hello shake the hands like yes there's a social mask uh, performance that must be engaged with but that can actually help slow us down mm -hmm. and help the manifestation of this this tidal wave of things um that can come in um yeah, yeah when are we when are we um uh repressing and when are we being responsible yeah with uh with the container that we that we put on our um not not just when someone says how are you being and yeah things. well I I even in, if the if the if the figure is a sword that graphically like swords are technically cold it's steel and they're forged in fire mm. but the thing that tempers them is that constant exposure to fire and then quenched right. so there's there needs to be this relationship of high energetic engagement followed by satiation quenching mm. and the 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 wielding of a sword does not mean that you or the owning of a sword does not mean you know how to wield it yeah um and that there is a heat that can come with beheading and mm. and stabby um but that true sword a true swordsman doesn't have to draw the sword that expression of like mm -hmm. there's just a way of acting that it is a last resort the aikido thing of like break the nose and walk away right you don't need to beat a dead yeah, horse the responsibility that comes with carrying a deadly weapon is yeah. that you use it to de-escalate not escalate so the sign has a lot of political swoop and power to influence but it influence to what mm. and so therefore the the character can be perverted to be about ego and that that nature of it or it can be in service of the community which is a much harder thing huh. but it is something that then makes more options and more productivity and a longer lasting person but again it's very hard to tell that that ram that it needs to butt heads less and maybe just you know go bathe Right. <laughs> um, so looking at this kind of foolishness of, of, of youth, the folly of youth. Yeah. Um, we picked the fool as a arcanum for the day. And the fool is an interesting card because it is blinded by innocent desire to like just jump off the cliff into the unknown. Mm. And or is is that in, to be foolish or foolhearted or, or what is what is what is it that something that raises something from fool to divine fool? and um, the holy fool as to what that is, that innocence is preserved despite the trauma of life. Is it, is, an, is it just the harlequin that is going to make its way through things through slight cunning, but doesn't understand the full implications of its actions or the world around them? Or is it a complete innocence where it's just like the world watches out for the innocent? Those uh, cartoons with a sleepwalking person mm -hmm. and they, you know, they, they wander into a building site and end up like walking down a girder and the girder gets brought up and they work they work out perfectly because usually the world of, uh, you know usually in those cartoons some explicit figure who's meant to be looking after the sleepwalker is like you know breaking their neck to try and make sure that they're okay mm -hmm. and they never know that all this work's been done for them um, because to them they're asleep they're walking through it asleep and there's the lore of that the the bag is empty at the start of the deck and the at, you know full at the end of the deck that the it goes from new to full moon or however you want to do it. Mm -hmm. The zero is both before and after. It is the loop that the cards go through, that the mm -hmm. whole tarot is the fool's journey. That yeah. um, the sun itself is white, which, you know, and the, the sky is yellow, mm -hmm. right? The, 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 the sun has emptied itself. Um, and the white rose, the symbolism of the white rose, which, okay, freedom from base desires is how they interpret it, but it's also the white rose is sterility mm. in... Uh, language of the flower, or like like the reason it's associated with with Lilith yeah. is the, the the idea of sterility. Yeah, it doesn't have the blood. Yeah, um, and so uh, language of the flowers it starts to change meanings there. But the idea of freedom from base desires, 
Um, also coupled with like just lack of sexual prowess. There's nothing, nothing sexual about the fool. Mm. Children are not sexual. Um, the, the, the stick is actually reversed and yes, it is like a giant phallus because there's a ball sack at the end. But this is the, the potential knowledge of what he's going to gain by going on this journey. Um, that he's already in a place that's high and he's jumping off the cliff. Um, and that damn little dog nipping at his heels. Um, yeah, the dog. Yeah, I think of uh, dogs as pretty, pretty poor. Um, really? Why? Because uh, the yapping. Yapping. Um, the the because you're a cat person. Both the uh, yeah yeah I, I I I do you know clean in my own spit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah the fact that they can be ferocious and hunters, but they're also you know domesticated to be loyal and um a bit yeah a bit dim in comparison to you know the wolves that we uh, made them from there's 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 something of that big dumb loyal that i think is at, at the very least some kind of uh way of finding the the good things about poor and 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 and, and curbing its um, more violent uh, habits mm. i think it's interesting just the the numbering of the fool and what that is that like um you know the the numbers of the cards are all Roman numerals, and yet we there's no zero concept in Roman numerals, so it must be either unnumbered, which it was traditionally, right, uh, to signify its nothingness or outside of the normal order from one to twenty, on but also that it could use an Arabic number, which should, and have a zero in its place, yeah. um, and that sometimes it was twenty two. Uh, ah, so it was after the world. Yeah, um, which uh, I think is northern France and Belgium, Belgiumlandia. Oh yeah, Belgiumlandia. Um, and uh, Wait takes it out of order when he discusses it in the book and puts it right before the world as well. But I think this also the, the contrast of the world, which we've talked about holding the scepter, which is like now it's outpoured and she's in the bag. Yeah. That is the Vesca Pisces of okay. intersectionality and all these things. And he is holding the scepter with the bag. Mm. And that the dog, which is carnality based animal instinct living on the streets, now becomes the the the, the quadrangle angels. Yeah. Um, that they are divine, that they are now winged. Right, but these base base natures become something that is now right, and there's that intersection of children on the one hand, not you know as as other, they're not grown up children, they're not grown up humans, Mm -hmm. so they're both like the 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 ape, the monkey, and the angel. Hmm. They get to be the thing that we are in between. Again, that roots of ha uh, duality, twinningness of childish and childlike. Okay, so talking about the foolish art of gambling. Yeah, I mean, gambling is a, one of the, the specific things that um, Poor is super into as well. I mean, especially uh, Poor in the fifth, uh, if you've got a really good chart and the, and you know there's uh, things coming back that Viapunti comes back to there, that's pretty much the only time I would advise someone to gamble. Hmm. Uh, unless it was, you know, the classic advice about like, treat it as if you've already lost that money and then go and have a nice time hmm. um, and have a firm limit about when you stop. Uh, yeah, that that's one of the few encounters where poor doesn't just like gambling, it's really good at it as well. Mm-hmm. Gaming, uh, all those other things that are found in the fifth. Um, you were mentioning something in the in the in our we do actually prep for like ten minutes and then like, look at this interesting fact. <laughs> um dice towers being uh Yes. So I mean this is all in a segue to dice, uh, yeah. specifically and, and dice are used for gambling and you know, throwing the bones and their yes, origin from the, the sheep knuckle bones and all these things and mm-hmm. the sacrifice and what that is and then cards and, and uh, uh dominoes. dominoes, you know, evolving from dice. Unfolded dice. Um yeah. but uh the discussion in the research of this of, of dice towers. Yeah. 
So I thought they were a super new thing. I've been, you know, um, watching and um, uh, reading a lot more D&D uh, and various other tabletop RPGs at the moment because I'm fucking cool like that. And looking at the way people use, uh, are using these dice towers, these things that often look like literal towers so you can they can double as, 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 as scenery and terrain. Uh, and you, you you know you throw the dice in the top and it goes down a like bounces off a series of pegs or goes down some little stairs in it and then it comes like plinko yeah 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 and it comes out uh, in a, in a little contained space so you're not constantly uh, losing your dice uh, off the table and things and I assumed these were an incredibly recent thing and thought they were kind of um, a little bit uh, surplus to requirements shall we say. Uh, Turns out, uh, <laughs> did a bit of digging. Uh, <laughs> I love those lines in movies. Um, uh, they date from at least the fourth century CE. Um, and one of the explanations that was given in this JSTOR article I was reading is that it's not until it, like the Renaissance it's thought that at least in Europe there was such a thing as a truly fair and balanced dice that they were all like off in some way, and that that's why you know lucky dice are a thing partly mm -hmm. because most dice would end up veering towards a particular um, uh, a particular number or a particular couple numbers that they would roll more commonly than others. So the tower was a means of ensuring that it was it tumbled enough to, to give a fair read mm -hmm. that you couldn't, especially a six-sided dice, you know, the, 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 there's again the link between the dexterity of the hand and the success of the gamble. Right, mm -hmm. that this is this is skill to a certain extent, not just knowing when to bet, but you could literally like learn the the not even the sleight of hand to switch dice out, but like that you could get a result with a with a slightly weighted dice mm -hmm. um, consistently or consistently enough to come out on top. I mean, my earliest memories of, of thinking about dice in historical context is casting lots for Jesus's clothes. Um, mm. So, although we don't necessarily know that lots are only dice, we know that the Romans were big dice throwers, sure. and the Huge, lovely, uh, conspiracy theory, Fatima-esque alignments mm -hmm. of of um, how a six-sided dice is an unfolded or is a folded cross, right? Yeah. So you get this yeah. the even the lovely uh, Masonic fobs and things like that mm -hmm. that roll up into a sphere or a, a cube yeah. that unfold into the cross. Well, this is how Sefer was read as well, right? Yeah. That the that the cube of that the speaking the cube of creation and mm -hmm. the, the links to the three mother letters of the three dimensions, the uh, seven um, double letters of the um, sides in the center, I think, and then the 12 edges of the single letters. I wrote a, a piece for my lodge long ago, Masonic Lodge, um, about the certain architectures of certain lodges. It's not universal and masonry changes from state to state here, so the architecture is not universal. But the idea of working with Sefer Yetzira as the idea that God emanates in directions and returns to the center. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the six-sided die where it's, you know, a three crossbar and a four high, mm -hmm. um, when you don't have to unfold it, it's, it's merely six-sided, right? So, um, mm -hmm. it, it, if you're in the center of it, that this is the, the resting place that, that, that emanation creation emanates from. Mm -hmm. So going forward, back, left, right, up, down, um, returns to the center and that the center of a Masonic Lodge in many states is the, the altar, which has very Saturnine-like feel to it and the you know this yeah. being part of your notion that like masonry is in part a very saturnine tradition yes and and, and it is viewed such in in in, in many diasporic traditions too but i mean it's it's a memento mori mm -hmm. tradition um and also about physical building and and, and the working of stone yeah and, yeah and the fortification of, i mean it's a square encompass it's setting limits right. and measuring right which is extremely saturnine 
um, and the the symbols of mortality, the, the vanitas and the chamber of reflection traditions that come from it. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth uh, reflecting that. Again, I like dice because they feel both very old and very new. They feel like modern to a degree, but also have been around for a really, really, really long time. Uh, in the same way I like scissors, because they, they feel at the one point kind of new, but also have been have been being used for a very long time. It's, it's um, kind of, I think we think about dice, I don't know, as someone that played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, you think about the normal quote-unquote dice being a six-sided dice that's what you know most people are going to say is a dice uh, and that any of these other um, polyhedrals are weird or or unusual or uh, by extension new and and the idea of um you know the 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 d20 the the icosahedron uh, <laughs> that was uh, discovered um uh, with the with the greek letters mm-hmm. um the, the the egyptian dice uh, which I, I just had to look up was dated between the second century BCE and the fourth century CE. Uh, shows that we've been using, uh, you know, some dragon dice. These, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We've been we've been doing nerd shit for a really, really long time, and it also more broadly just brings up this this thing around: was it gaming first and then divination? Was it divination first and then gaming? Mm-hmm. Do they do, do we? Is it useful to think about? Um, in the same, you know, same way we talk about writing, uh, are we are we uh, are we reading from nature and the and the cracks on turtle shells that then become the the, the words or the or the um, the accounting uh, tokens of of, of Babylon etc. Mm-hmm. Um, is it and this idea of trying to distinguish? Oh, is it was it a practical thing that then got spiritualized, or was mm-hmm. it a hieratic thing that then got made common? I think is a daft duality uh, because ultimately what you're dealing with is 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 how do things come out of um how do we introduce chance and by extension once we've got chance choice and and risk mm-hmm. and um and well the gambling and gaming is automatically linked to divination in some yeah. form and because you're you're getting an answer of how to proceed yeah whether of whether that is in a game that you are playing or or winning things yeah. or in in life mm-hmm. so i mean I, I think the energy is then separated in that way in the same way that you know i'll still go back to karen armstrong and her like religion cannot be separated from politics to do so is a, an extreme privilege to mean that your politics are representing your religious beliefs right. but the minute you go to a, a different place where like religion exists to justify politics which is different from spirituality i'm reminded of the you're talking about turtle shell cracks there was the book was it carved in stone it is uh, what happens when a diviner priest gets a hold of what is a naturally occurring stone and sees cuneiform on it mm. because it's just it's a naturally occurring thing but like what are the gods trying to tell him yeah. and freaking out over it and murdering people over it and like it just sets a whole thing in motion and is it just natural right um, which itself is is, is 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 seen as that's what that's why it was called the book of nature yeah it wasn't just a metaphor you were literally meant to read like most doctrine of signatures isn't about actual morphology Lungwort doesn't look like lungs except insofar as the markings on it look like the markings on lungs. Mm-hmm. Right? It isn't shaped like some lungs. It's not, it's not a strict morphology. It's a, uh, uh, in terms of like literal shape. It's it, looking for any connection. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that there's writing on it mm-hmm. of some kind, that there are marks on it of some kind, that there are signposts, that, 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 or that there is a sim, uh, similitude, that it is bumpy and, and mottled, like lungs are bumpy and mottled, mm-hmm. like the, it, it isn't strict shape. So reading, you, absolutely you were thought to be able to read 
words in stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 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 what angels do sometimes. Yeah, it's fascinating to think of. I mean, the origin of a reading thing that you're handing someone a piece of thing and they're able to interpret what you were only witness to because you can't read, and you're like, "This is a I don't know what this is." Right. Um, I think. Um, I just put the facts out there. They yeah. interpret them. Mm-hmm. It's a very. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I think I'm getting that exact thing from maybe Freya Oswin's rune book of like talking about writing and like you know the things that runes which we associate with Scandinavian is based on Etruscan letters that once the letters are formed it's very hard to erase what you've seen and then the novelty of being able to store information in this way right um and and then we can get into the Semitic tradition of like it being both textually transmitted and oral transmission that like the vowels aren't marked so you still have to be told what the words are which means mm-hmm. you're being transmitted the word of God mm-hmm. in some form which is its own um see my master's thesis forthcoming um <laughs> but uh die i find the interesting the lore around it of um the sides adding up to seven mm. which is you know one and six mm-hmm. three and four two and five and that western dice tend to be right-handed they go a certain way around um oh, and they west- hands. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then uh asian dice tend to be left-handed and go the opposite way oh. and that technically uh i think it's chinese die which might in the the, the, the Wikipedia mm-hmm. origin story is that they might be from India, but that one and four are red. Mm. Um, and just to, to show you something different. And I mean, what does this mean? But I, I think of the, the overlap there, that this is the common die, dice in Asia and the, the lore between four and death mm. is quite interesting. And that we, we still, you know, what is snake eyes? Um, I mean, it makes total sense with one, right? Uh-huh. That's, that's yeah, that's that's a crit fail, right? Yeah. Um, or crit, I guess crit success. Unless you get two ones and then it's a, is it lucky because it's, I mean, is it the snake bite, the fangs, mm-hmm. snake eyes, the thing staring at you? Is it like you're so unlucky that the bird shot on you and now you're winning the lottery? Right. Um, but four is interesting because it's not a highest or lowest number. No, but it's stable. Yeah. You know, it's 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 an interesting thing. But yeah, the, the, the Indian dice are... are one and four are are red That's super and that they are neighboring right so one is opposite six so one and four uh, are touching yeah, yeah so yeah, there's yeah, a place yeah. where one goes by four which also interesting and that's also how you fold out and get dominoes from dice yes uh, as the illustrious professor charles porterfield uh, is often fond of pointing out and beginning is uh, talks on cartomancy such as the one i saw at uh, the salem summer symposium this year uh, that yes, that you once you fold the dice out, not just in totality of its. We used to call them nets uh, as a kid um, hmm. in 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 maths class. That and, and, yeah, and I love that math math is plural in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because because well, there's, there's 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 more than one number, Jesse. It's not called numbers. <laughs> it's called maths. <laughs> Um, yeah, that you you're only unfolding part of them, right? The ones that are next to each other. Mm-hmm. So you're not unfolding the whole dice. You, you're getting out that one and four, mm-hmm. and then that that um, yeah, the the other ones as well. Interesting. I mean, I don't know enough about dominoes really to. This is Porterfield's edging me on of gifting me with dominoes. Porterfield, if you're listening or if you know anyone who knows Porterfield, loves to gift you with things, which is lovely, except also completely de- um, unnerving. You're not quite sure what he's giving to you when he when he's doing this. So there was this occurrence at the British Union Symposium where he was trying to give someone an apple. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to take an apple from any magician's hand. And even I don't care if it was a blessed apple that was sitting But he sitting kept telling spouse. you that you had to that you could take it of your own free will. What's not unnerving about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was a blessed apple because it was on his prayer But like still, it's like, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see him for the first time in a few weeks, and it's like, here, take this box with a scorpion on it. <laughs> what's no, in what, the, what, what's, what's in the box? <laughs> Revenge! <laughs> hail, um, hail the coyote. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> but okay, so uh, Jesus and dice and playing lots for the clothes, like you right, know, which is one of the thing. original like dice are what bad people do because that's what uh, uh, you know that's what the people who tortured our Lord did. Mm -hmm. uh, is one of those um, Longinus? Longinus? I don't know. I mean, he has the spear, so he, like, he's, spear. he becomes a saint. I don't know if he you know maybe he erases his dice playing past. Mm. You know, he's not so crappy because he didn't play craps. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. I find also when we were in. Um, for another conference, we've been so many conferences <laughs> this year. Uh, when we were in Tirol and went to the Schloss Tirol, the little little tiny bone dice—they're oh, very yeah. tiny. They're like a quarter inch by a quarter inch at best of mm -hmm. bone die. And you think of them being a bone, but like now they're bone plates or ivory plates or things like that. And you think about the rivets that went in and like the originally the, the like on some dice, the one being larger to counteract the fact that there's six on the other side. So mm -hmm. it's the sizes is one way to try and balance die. Um, but then they become uniform after a while and you're like, oh, and this is why for the adding up to seven is actually doing that to try and help some prevent some present some balance of yep. weight. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, the dice were teeny tiny little things very easy to lose um, very easy to hide presumably yes uh and also just a, it would be be sad to not mention uh the modern reliance and by modern i just mean documented uh and and not um mammothonian mm. of uh dice as a possible use in geomancy to absolutely yeah uh which is something that both uh my my Good, our good friend uh, Sam Block uh, has talked about on his blog, Digital Amblock. He's your good friend. He's my great friend. I'm not oh, saying okay. anything. I just, saying, <laughs> I just love the correction of pronouns. Like, you know, my, our, your, his, their. A good couple folks have noticed that in the entry on Geomancy, which is actually about uh, European Renaissance Geomancy as a, a formal divination system in Agrippa's three books, as opposed to his speculation, his uh, recapitulation of um, monastic speculation on uh, abstracted uh, forms of divination based off the elements. Oh, there, just as the ancients gazed into the fire, there must be, a, the, the, and this is pyromancy, so there must be a gazing at, at earth, and this is a, uh, a, a geomancy. No, the formal divination, uh, Agrippa specifically says you can do it with dice, and then lists um, the you know the the, the tetrahedron, the octahedron, uh, the you know the 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 the, 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 the hexahedron, um, which feels like a very um, uh, ornate way of saying that um, because that's just a quote unquote normal dice and um, uh, and and the uh, icosahedron and says you can use these uh, for divination. Uh, he even says, you know, you can you can flip coins uh, and you can you can do lots and you can do anything that generates an order or an even number. But many geomancers I know have noted uh, that four of those are platonic solids and that uh, these are therefore associated with particular elements. And given that there are four lines in uh, any geomantic figure that are also corresponding to the elements that one could throw a d4, a d8, uh, a d20 and a d6 and have a figure right there. Uh, generated for you immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not quite immediate because you're still reading, unless you have dice that literally have one point and two points uh, on them, it's not the figure, it's the numbers that are odd or even that generate the figure. Which also brings up the fact that there are actual geometric dice traditions that, are, yes. you know, that, that, that have a full set of figures split between two, usually a tradition on yes. a spindle, so that they are fixed in an order and that by spinning them and, and slamming them down, that you are pulling the top half from one and the bottom half from yeah. another set. Yeah. The first two lines um, at the top and the second two lines at the bottom. Yeah, exactly. And that that's 
that's also a way of doing dice that literally gives you the figure in front of you. Yes. And gives you all four figures in front of you, usually, because it's not just one dice on it, it's usually four dice on a spindle. Yes. And there's two of them, and you throw them, and that gives you the four mother figures. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, trained in, you know, uh, the, the, the traditional uh, Arabic forms of, of, of the thing that will be borrowed from, we'll say generously, that becomes European Renaissance geomancy, that you've trained enough that you can read, you can you know what the, you can generate the, the witnesses and the judge just by remembering each of those mm -hmm. other configurations that you don't need to write out the whole chart and yeah. add all the things together. You just, you have that memorized. Yeah. Uh, which is still staggering. So traditions of dice, uh, irksome when dice don't go up to six for me, mm. when it's one and two and one and two and one and two mm. and one and two. Uh, but there are also traditions of blank dice, dice that, you know, have a, a wild card on one side. Yeah. Um, the different numbers of dice, the, the different solids for sure. Um, also, just worth mentioning that dice divination is extremely documented as far as like referring to a textual chart. So um, whether it's mo divination, like mm. Tibetan, where you're throwing certain dice in it and it gives you a set number to look up as like a lottery system of, or uh, exactly, the, you're referencing line number 37. Yeah. Um, or the Greek sheep knuckles of throwing five at once and knowing that there are four sides to each sheep knuckle. And therefore, you get a certain number that you can reference, and this is how the deity is talking to you that day. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, they come with a lookup chart. And obviously, yeah. ideally, you would know them all, but it's not expected immediately. Mm -hmm. And that, yes, obviously, um, divination literacy should mean that you have a rough idea about what's going on once you've thrown something uh, and not have to rely on your little white books. But equally, there are many traditions where, because of the vast number of things that you could generate, that you do a, a, the books of fate are very often like that. Uh, you get many of them in the, the early modern period. One of my favorites has a, a paper net of a D12 that you cut out and like assemble together, including the little tabs so you can glue it. And this um, this dodecahedron is thrown uh, and you, you, you look up that number and then that number, then you look, throw the number after it. And that gives you a, a refining down of, of going through all of these tables. So the first might give you the chapter that the verse is in, then the then the, the, uh, then the book, then the chapter of that book, then the paragraph of that uh, chapter, then the line of that uh, paragraph. You just maybe think that a cootie catcher is an evolution of sheep knuckle. Uh, cootie catchers, uh, yeah, chatterboxes. Yeah. yeah, chatterboxes that they're calling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That is four options. So you have to, you know, which one is it? Mm -hmm. And then pick one. But it's four options that could be double that because it depends on if you write on both sides of the yeah, fold. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's eight. Yeah. yeah, four to eight or four to four. Mm -hmm. um, but cootie it's still, catchers. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because it was often like who you're going to marry mm -hmm. or that type of thing. Kids would write names of people in your class and mm -hmm. like, what's your favorite color? What's your, you're yeah. going to marry Al. <laughs> um, binding, legal agreement. That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Going back to our streetways. Really? The, the last thing is poplar. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I like poplar for many reasons. Uh, it is one, it's populous is the genus name, which, you know. <sighs> You know, if Al wants to be obvious about geomantic associations, <laughs> one could. That is a little obvious, yeah. Um, a little petrol. And uh, it is a border tree in England specifically. It was brought in and, and meant as a thing to like create shade screens in different parts of the property, mm. especially the Lombardy poplar, which is from the Himalayas. Um, Lombardy? Lombardy? Mm -hmm. Whatever the pronunciation. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> my uh, Esperanto yeah. coming in. Um, but uh, black poplar, white poplar, that aspen is a type of poplar, especially in the north of England, mm -hmm. uh, north of, of the UK, excuse me, Scotland is not England, but Spain is still Europe. Mm -hmm. um, I'll explain that reference another time. 
uh, when the venom has left my lips. Uh, that Aspen and White Poplar are often mistaken for each other. They are shorter versions of it. They're often mistaken for Birch. Uh-huh. Um, that there is Quaking Aspen in Europe, and there's also Quaking Aspen in the United States, which is native to the States. Uh-huh. Um, and Poplar is an interesting one because there are many myths by some uh, myths it is the mother of Pan, that Pan's mother, by that Hermes, uh, she turned into a black poplar by two different accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by another account, it is what the sisters of Phaeton, after the after he dies and crashes into a burning fall, mm-hmm. burning burning ball with chariot and everything, the after he steals borrows, Helios is you know swindles his dad out of of the the chariot of the sun. Mm-hmm. That when he dies, uh, the sisters warn and meep and praise their hands towards the sun, crying out like why why and they become, and they become poplars. poplars because many poplar species the, the branches grow up, especially like Lombardy poplars do that. It's this weird lamentation thing that happens with poplars. Mm. Not all of them do that, but you can see um, a lot of the poplars do that upward V branch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this lamentation that goes that way. Um, it is associated with strength um, and fear, both. Huh. So interestingly, the lore of it that is... Uh, hold on, let me pull out a quote because that's the popular thing to do. The popular thing to do. Espen ah! uh, tree, Espen tree, I prithee to shake and shiver instead of me is a cure against palsy but also against trembling from fear. Mm. So that taking someone's hair and putting it around the bark or the twig of a poplar tree would transfer the shaking fear to the quaking aspen. Yeah. To, so this is... Um, Someone's got to shake, so you got to you take the shakes off them as a quantifiable thing and yeah. install it in the tree. Quivering tree, abbey tree, abel, owler, bitterweed um, are just all names for the poplar tree, the, the quaking tree. Um, because there's like 40 different, asp- uh, 40 different poplars. Um, Bach flower remedies, it is for people who have fear and anxiety and apprehension without knowing the cause. Mm. So that this is a tree that is used to help remedy when you are have an unknown source of anxiety, which for many people we know, um, perhaps us on many days, um, that kind of like dread from nowhere. Yeah. Poplar is a medicine for that. Wow. So this is specifically what it is in the Bach flower remedies. That's awesome. Because um, that's such a stumbling block for people doing, you know, and, and most, in, in times I've done cognitive behavioral therapy, where it's explicitly about, it's working off like, well, let's work through what you're anxious about. And if you don't have a thing that you're anxious about, you're just generally anxious. Yeah. Or, or you can't work out where it's coming from. That's, yeah. yeah, that's super useful. And the other side of it too, that the the the, the sisters of Phaeton uh, are weeping. So it's the resin that comes from many of the poplars, which is is a very balsam like uh, smell and can be used in incense, of course. Uh, so it has solar connections. It has mm-hmm. the mercurial connections. So that that um, in that Hermes mates with um, oh god, her name is Dryope. Dryope. Dryapples. Dryapples. Dryope. Dryopi. Does that no. does that become a, a, a plant species of some kind? Is that Dryop- uh, I don't know. I I don't remember. I would have to uh, either Wikipedia it or uh, find Wikipedia. something else. Um, but the I know that she is uh, turned into a black poplar. Yeah. Um, this is from Ovid. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that they that when um, uh, she is mother to Amphysis by Apollo. So again, the Lord, it's like, you know, the, always uh, Apollo and trees, dryads. Right. But that when she is taken um, by nymphs, that they plant a poplar tree in her place. So she's said to have become a black poplar. Um, that when she enters the earth, as we would say. In mm-hmm. yeah. um, hmm. But uh, there's many different versions of the story. Um, but it's also just the, the spreading the, the legs up from earth that she tries to hide and turn into something. It's either legs going up or lay or... 
arms oh, going up. Oh, I see. Because right. of the way the poplar grows. It's headfirst into Hades. The white yeah. poplar, right, is, an, is, is another tree that's associated with... Um, it's white, right? It's what's her name? Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Find it here. Luke, or Luke, mm-hmm. yeah, like leukemia and whiteness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, white poplar, which is a, a, an oceanid nymph who's abducted um, by Hades and transformed into the white poplar tree. But there's a dice connection with the white poplar because one side is said to be green, the other is said to be white. Which, Greek connection wise, is Heracles' fault. So Heracles wore poplar as his crown. It was his preferred tree oh. to wear as his, the god of strength is wearing poplar tree. And then when he goes in, I believe the 12th laborer goes to rest uh, Cerberus, mm-hmm. that um, the emanation of his god strength from his face makes the underside of the leaves turn white. Oh. And the green side is still showing their original color. But this is also the the association with both worlds. It's a tree that shivers in between the worlds because the, is it the petiole? What is the, the part that the, the leaf connects to can actually go towards the sun. And so quaking aspen, especially quaking aspen in the States, um, it shivers. When the wind goes, it is going crazy. It looks like the whole tree is moving, mm. almost like you're hallucinating. Right. Um, so there's a, an interesting side of that. But poplar has a lot of uh, connections to strength, to strength from unknown places. It supposedly is a Dionysian uh, garland tree as well. Okay. Um, I don't know much of that as much. I know that white goddess, Robert Graves, which the white goddess is birch, but that the mistaking of aspen for birch gives it a connection to this this deific figure that he's he's proposing. But that cypress, alder, and poplar are like a trinity for mm. for graves um that speaks of uh resurrection <laughs> and rebirth and 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 putting people in the ground as well right when, when cypress is i mean we've gone off here a bit but when cypress is also used in spears a lot cypress no poplar different from cypress but um yes yes and coffins um eventually Hades connection again definitely uh always good Hades connection i mean the um, remembering the godhood of Hercules and the sweat is like, it's the, the um, reflection of his, like the, the, the almost using it like a prism, mm-hmm. but his sweat and the godhood is what makes it white, like bleaches it. Mm-hmm. It's just so manly. Um, but yeah, uh, sacred to Persephone because of this Hades connection mm-hmm. and her relationship to being in two places at once. Mm-hmm. Um, any masked spirit or masked deity associated with the dead because of that, mm-hmm. um, that it's bone, that the whiteness of bone is there. I also like that the, is it catkins? The little, like their way that the mm-hmm. seeds grow um, are sometimes called devil's fingers. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this is a, not a blind, but you know, a folk a folk thing that when you're talking about catkins, that devil's fingers are often from poplar trees. Mm-hmm. That it's the the seed of this two-faced thing mm-hmm. that is associated with the underground and the underworld already. Huh. Um, but I, I like poplar. It's it's a yeah. It seems like a lot of points of interaction with it. It doesn't make a very good staff or wand. Um, it just doesn't last. Um, but it's good fresh, stronger when it's fresher. Mm-hmm. Which maybe there's a connection there to strength. And what that is, that it's not like oak, which is mm-hmm. Jupiter, but like mm-hmm. strength is a youthful thing. You will lose your strength, which I find interesting. And the the closer rain is coming, the more that the leaves of the aspen or the poplar start to shake. Mm. Um, so it's said to, to produce it. And that uh, carrying the wood with you prevents fear and especially fear of the devil. Mm. Um, so I always associate poplar with that seal from uh, Discovery Witchcraft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fear nothing but God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's sometimes explicitly phrased as fear no enemy, uh, but God, yeah, as well. 
And then like the resin of black poplar is, is used heavily in, in post 60s uh, formularies for uh, giving strength and courage, mm. which is its own thing um, for sure. And there's something of Arbor Day and something going on of decorating a poplar tree, which if we ever do footnotes, I'll put it in there. Arbor Day is tree day? Yes. Oh, cool. It's a naturalist thing. They have it in England, I promise. I'm going to find it. 29th of, Eng of May in England, in oh, the cool. village of aston on Clune, Shropshire, still carry out an old custom of decorating the black poplar tree that stands at the center of the village with flags. This present tree is quite young, but it's said to be descended from its original tree ancestor. This is the arbor tree ceremony. Also on the calendar of trees, graves-wise, if we're talking about permutations of, of om and like, mm -hmm. you know, I remember in the 90s, it was still not popularly discussed that like Graves was just being a poet and just writing. There was mm -hmm. no historical precedent for what he was doing. He right. was taking things as inspiration. And, and now Om is so, um, Ogham, Om mm -hmm. is so in, inextricably linked to trees and only trees, but it was just lists of associations. So anything mm -hmm. that started with that letter or had that letter predominantly, whether it was birds or stones or flowers or trees, but we associate it with trees because there is something that fits our, our need for expressing a, a Celtic heritage yeah. And Celtic specifically is Irish as opposed to the 13 countries that are Celtic, which is a language classification, not a cultural classification. Yeah. That said, um, that it is in the Gravesian Calandra that it is uh, uh, associated with this time right now, so right after Equinox. Yeah. So it uh, was not, I did not remember that. My memory is not that good. But it's timely. But it's timely. So yeah, I think uh, swinging it all together, right? There's Cosmin uh, Damian are still uh, quite an interesting pair um, with expressions hugely so in the New World. Like this is a, a major saint pair in Latin America, um, saints in general. I, I find it's interest of interest because of the predominance of other saints around this time period. Mm. So um, as we go into something like uh, Autumn Equinox, and the neo-pagan lore and Kelly's invention of the term Maben mm -hmm. to like try and, you know, give classy foreign architecture to what, uh, you know, a or a classic native architecture to what is a hint of Persephone starting to go. Um, but that also this time of year already has extant cultural traditions, whether it's Michaelmas mm -hmm. and the the I find it fascinating that we praise the archangels right as winter is coming. Mm. The first frost is around this time period. That's the blackberry lore mm -hmm. and the devil's piss and all these things. But like the, there is a calendar that is, is one of the reasons that we have stuck to saint calendars to bring up that local lore. Yeah. And although it's weird because we're talking, if we're talking tropical things of Brazil and the Caribbean, it's a completely different calendar system. And we're, we're flipping it so that if you're in Southern Brazil working with Cosme and Damian, this is the vernal equinox. And let's not forget with that. I mean, like, is it the, and we're talking about Puer and this youthful push into things. Right. Um, you know, it, this, it's almost like what we talked about with Lucy of the last like solar push to get us through the dark night of the winter yeah. that will reappear at Imbolc, at, at, at Candlemas. And the foresight to see that light will come. Yeah. The, 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 the capturing it in pyrite, the carrying pyrite around will keep you warmer. Will And here um, with uh, this time period, this is harvest home. This is where the kaya, the last sheath of wheat, is actually taken in, and that you're keeping the the, the wheat goat, the wheat lady, mm -hmm. the corn lady. Um, you know whether it's uh, Lady Medea inspired or not. Mm -hmm. that, that just taking her in to your house and caring for her so that she lasts the winter with you, mm -hmm. and returning her to the fields when it is safe again. Not that you're keeping because you can't keep her forever, mm -hmm. but that you know there's this understanding that that things are darkening now, yeah. and I hate to one of the one of the issues around 
uh, extreme pastoral nostalgia, fantastical escape that has plagued a lot of, especially neo-pagan community, which is still very near and dear to my heart. But the land is different wherever you are. And to ignore lore that is attached to saints is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And it's a very American Protestant impulse to be like, a Protestant impulse in general, mm. of like, I'm throwing out anything that has any Christian taint with it whatsoever. You know, the demons are all benevolent gods and, you know, everything loves me. And it's like, this is this is not the way of the world. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, you can take the Jesus out of Minnesota, but you can't make it. <laughs> no, that doesn't work either. Um, <laughs> but that there are so many traditions already that express what is going on right now. And that it doesn't mean that you have to be a farmer, but there's a difference between invoking the wheat goddess in your carpeted living room versus like standing in your backyard and getting cold right. as you watch the constellations that are going to rise only at this time of year right. for you. And it's it's certainly its own form of like colonialism to expect everyone in the world to behave as if it were the weather conditions of one particular place. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And then and the equinoxes too are an interesting side because this time period of what it is. I, the equinoxes are the least recognized or important of the of the neo-pagan wheel of the year as far as naturally occurring festivals around this time mm-hmm. we understand spring because the world is awakening but you have you have a full-on like start of spring mm-hmm. of Candlemas, and then you have like start of spring or start of summer really uh baltania beltane may day type of like we don't know something's happening in the middle like yeah. something changed and so the measurement of equal time most people can't do this today let alone you know, you'd still depend on the word of mouth that like, yes, we have passed that point. Um, and by its nature, how do you know something's equal? By knowing that the next day it was, it isn't. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the, the zeitgeist, the zenith is only known by passing it. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons the equinoxes would not have been celebrated yeah. in this manner, in this way. I mean, you can calculate, but it is just, they are minor holidays, quote unquote. And this is the second of the, of the three harvest festivals between Lamas and um, Harvest Home and and, and Samhain. Mm. And this is very grain oriented. Mm. Um, and, and you're you're talking about like um, vines versus grains, then animals and like the things that allow us to last through the winter. Yeah. Um, Which is why, you know, why so many harvest festivals? Uh-huh. Don't you really need one? Well, it depends what you're harvesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hate. <laughs> Pain. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, I think there's also, you know, following off on this kind of ancestral connection and what Catholicism is, is that many of our ancestors were Catholic for a very long time. And when we deal with the dead, um, whether or not they were believers in Catholicism, we were dealing with a calendar that is is somewhat universal proposal, where a child of colonialism for sure, mm-hmm. and, you know, the Catholic Church being the original uh, Western hemispheric, like, force of conquer and, and bring into the fold. Sure. Um, but it means that there is a universalism to cultural traditions that happen around this specific calendar. There's, there's a, it behooves us to attempt to speak in a manner that those we speak to can understand. Yes. And in building that bridge back to and, and, and keeping those bridges alive with uh, our dead, uh, it's, it's useful to understand how they would understand the world and mm-hmm. to speak in their words when you're speaking to them. To be able to at least code switch, right? Yes. And if... If Cosme and Damian are the patrons of the medical art, um, and by extension, perhaps even a little bit of like alchemical patrons mm. in that way, 
you know, why is alchemy done in pairs? It wasn't done by people by themselves. Because if you have to have something boiling for three days or three weeks, you need to sleep. Mm. And while you're asleep, you could lose a year's worth of ingredients mm. or your life. Mm-hmm. If it, you know, all labs explode. Best advice I ever got from one of my alchemical teachers. But like the idea that there's a partner that you were going to do this project with. Yeah. And this, everything is better in pairs, which reflects the abedji mentality, which reflects the, the like children seek a friend. And we, we do this thing together. It is fine. You have your own world that you live in, but then you have a doll that's with you, or you have a real friend that is like sharing in the make-believe with you, changes it, makes it even more real. Oh, God's the difference between, uh, you know, a vision or a transmission from a spirit on your own. And when you look at your fellow, that you're working with and are like, did you just hear that as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, or let's say at the same time what they just said. Like that, that, write it down and look. Yeah, that is astoundingly more impactful and, and, and real, for want of a better term. Uh, yeah. So, and, and the notion of hysteria in, in vision is a, is a common thing, that public hysteria drives vision forward. And I think about this in terms of like, oof, it's a rough transition. But um, in in seances and in misas of like the evidence that starts flowing when it is considered a good thing when people start agreeing, say like, yes, and then this and then this. So the person finishes a thing and another person latches onto that current and is starting to give more evidence on the same thing and everybody's talking about it. It's not just like, I see this person behind you. It's like, yes, and they're wearing this color and yes, and they were born on this day. And like, it should be a collaborative effort. Yes, that huh. kind of current, the corriente should flow. Huh. And that type of thing, it also feels a little bit like, you know, hyenas pouncing on something. Right. right. But it, the, that that is its own um, part and parcel of, of the tradition of like this is how evidence is found evidencia. Yeah, yeah and standing keeps the thing going. Yes, right. as opposed to no, right. well, I don't see that. So I'm going to talk about what I saw. And that, then there's all sorts of like other things around blocking, right? Yeah, not, not crossing arms or legs mm-hmm. or things of that nature, or or deliberately doing that if you're trying to stop something happening. Yeah, or even like espiritismo um, with with cordon where you're holding hands and singing for hours, you do not let go. And then it just, everything flows in that way. And that's its own thing. I mean, like, I don't want to hold hands with someone for two minutes, let alone longer. Um, <laughs> that says a lot about me. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, so we have our own propensities towards the sorcerer saint uh, during this time. Um, and and there's been a lot of important, s- September's an interesting month. Mm-hmm. Um, diasporically, uh, and just traditions in the new world. I don't, September is the, you know, you're getting to this, the storm season is, is, is still there, but like to have, um, you know, just Caribbean wise of Caida de Cobre, Virgen de Regla, um, moving in towards, uh, Cosman Damian, the version of Mercy on the 24th, which is, you know, syncretized with Obatala, having, uh, Cyprian the, of Antioch and Cyprian of Carthage so close together with nine days between them, having, uh, Cyprian and Justina as well. And Cyprian and Justina, yeah. Again, so you know. the, uh, the uh, Hildegard on the 17th, which she's a new saint, but still very, mm-hmm. very much there. And, um, I love me some Hildegard who is, uh, in recent discussions with people is still, and we've mentioned her before, um, but, uh, as a magician, as a magician, that's right. Um, you know, and I, we've talked about that kind of guilt thing that she does, but like, I love that as a saint, now that friends that are working with her, you like, you realize like, she's not unlike Cyprian in some ways. <laughs> like, I think that, that again, the quote from the VGS, that one's just showing the mentality of like, if she had been alive 400 years later, she would have been accused of witchcraft, yeah. but witchcraft was not invented yet. Yes, that is correct. Witchcraft was not invented yet in the West. Um, and so they gave her power and validated her experiences to drive people to the church. Yeah. But as far as a crime, witchcraft, which is not a religion, which is not a spirituality, it is a political accusation, had not been invented, and therefore you could not take away her power in the same way. Right. 
Um, if you can't shut them up, join them mm -hmm. and get butts in the seat. Um, mm -hmm. But like the nature of herbalism and what that is, is that you know, there's this idea of it as being less than in the West mm. now, specifically America. Um, but that it is an extremely violent thing to just go and rip plants parts off yeah. and grind them down and do things and save them. And that there's this overlap between plant, stone and animal that starts doing when you're going in that mentality, that it isn't this lovely strict vegetarian thing, that it's um, that this classification is almost external to those that are involved in the forest and the greening power. Yeah. And the greening power seeks to grow and push things and breaks things. Poplar, for instance, going back, uh, apparently caffeine set in. Um, but poplar is not good if you have a small garden because it will break the pipes and the concrete. The roots uh, are very strong. Okay. Speaking of strength, interestingly. Mm. Um, so maybe it's the, the trembling leaves, but the roots are strong. And the strength you don't see. Yeah, it's very interesting. you only see by its... Mm, by so its yeah, that's good. That's mm. very good. So, I, you know, I don't know with, with Cosme and Damian, it's just this little bit of children. The potential there is, is so interesting. Yeah. The lives they didn't leave if they're, if they're dead mm. already, but also... The potential of any child of what that is and the caretaking like you know um you know notions of ancestor veneration and moving us forward into the future um and getting to see the world like a kid did through their eyes again getting to fall back in love with um childhood books mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of thing getting to go to you know being allowed to you know eat more dessert than you think you should be allowed to even the shift in innocence we talk about sexuality wise mm -hmm. but like when dice turn from gaming to gambling this is a loss of innocence. Mm. Like you, you know, one questions a three-year-old or a five-year-old with dice. Three-year-old's a little young because you, I don't think they can use them. But like a five-year-old playing, you're like, oh, it's Candyland. Mm -hmm. And if they're fifteen, like they're throwing craps. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's, it's the shift happens. Yeah. And in fact, um, that was given as a, a famous example of a thing I was watching recently. How the gambling industry has rebranded itself the gaming industry ah. because one of those is something that's fun. And mm -hmm. one of those is something that has such a long history of being uh, either explicitly called evil or uh, the thing that ruins like uh, a household through, uh, you know, uh, addicted behaviors. Lots of resources, yeah. And lots of resources, yeah. And it, also, I don't, you know, obviously those weren't separated until no. the 20th century, probably. Right. That anything, and even like playing at cards, if men do it, it's gambling. If women do it, it's, it's joy and, and distraction. Yeah, and uh, eventually divination, patience, right? Well, and eventually divination, even right. of like parlor games that the women are in their parlor yeah. doing their things, and they'll never know that we're doing this thing. And then a little white book comes out, mm -hmm. and it goes, and it, it's like you're talking. We're talking about what comes first, divination or, or gaming yeah. in that way, but it's still the game of destiny. Like mm -hmm. this, the even the Norman following thing there of what's the difference? Right. What's the mental shift that goes from gaming to gambling and gambling to gaming again? Mm -hmm. um, you're still wanting to win. Uh, is it this substitute for war that we have? Is it the poor influence? The thrill of victory, right? Yeah. Like, is it the the ram rutting? Yeah. That like you know, is well, it innocent is all, or is this it is all very fifth house, right? Naughty, the house of children, mm -hmm. also the house of, of gaming mm -hmm. uh, and of uh, and of pleasures and of developing skills. Interesting. Oh, the fool developing his skills by by being present through all of the cards of the tarot, letters and messages that aren't too far away or too close. Um, the seers, the three child seers, so. Mm -hmm prophecy and writing things down to be delivered to, to by people that have more authority and recognition of the context yeah that's very interesting pyrite and the fool's gold that is actually a value on its own yeah like a child's advice a child's vision of something is not invalid in because it's a child right um right it's not a fake version of something else it's a real version of itself <laughs> yeah is this 
is this real? I mean, is do you not see it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you mean as opposed to imaginary, or is it what you thought it was going to? Like this, this shift is very interesting. It happens all the time for anything in magic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm sure every store owner is familiar with. Like, does this really work? <laughs> like, or is this just an elaborate Harry Potter store? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that type of thing is very interesting. What do you think of this? Yeah, like, yeah, it's such a weird question. Yeah, or vending, vending it. Uh, in recently just the you know after the second child cried in the first hour it's like <laughs> okay well, this is a different clientele <laughs> then, um, then you put your clothes back on yeah <laughs> rude um here's some olive oil what am i thinking out put it on your fingernail um anyway um all right well i think uh i think that's a good uh synthesis yeah yeah of yeah. of the day uh happy feast of saint cosmos and damian um, you know, uh, happy Sergathal, mm-hmm. Sergatharim. May you be as strong as poplar's roots and shiny as pyrite. And, and the dice look favorably yes. on you. <laughs> and uh, may you always be f- have the opportunities of the fool, but none of the uh, folly, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, may your, all your fools be holy. Um, <laughs> and go from there. And um, if you see a vision, please send a letter to the Pope and let him release it 40 years later just for the drama. Um <laughs> And past that, uh, I hope this finds all of you well, yeah. in good health and spirit. And if not, uh, better luck next time. Yeah. Radio Free Golgotha out. Good night and get out. <laughs>